Health Matters with Laura Kopeck focuses on matters of health and how we can take matters of our health into our own hands. I'm your host, Laura Kopeck, and today is a discussion about the uncomfortable topic of the hidden side to overcoming chronic health issues, our mental and emotional side. A reminder, this episode and all my podcast episodes are for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice or a medical diagnosis. When I first became a health educator and practitioner, my journey began with getting certified in holistic nutrition. But it was pretty early on in that first year of uh, being in private practice that I realized that addressing food wasn't really enough to help people really optimize and achieve total health and wellness. And so it began a journey for me to become more educated. I went on to get uh, my master's and then um, several other certifications. And in doing so, I also began to realize in working with people, it's not just the physical body unto itself that has to be brought back in balance, but how we think and how we feel about our body, about our illness, about the things that are in balance, have a direct and unique impact on our recovery. For anybody that has worked with me as a client or has listened to some of the first podcasts I did, I have come to really believe that there are three pillars of health that really have to be worked on in order to Uh, bring the body back into balance. And those three pillars are that diet and lifestyle. And when we talk about lifestyle, those are all the influencing factors uh, that we ingest, Um, not just food, uh, but the way that we're managing our stress, the way that we're sleeping, the way that we're detoxifying. That second pillar is the microbiome. Our biomes in our gut, on our skin, in our mouths, they are very unique to us and they influence a lot of our health. And they even have their own genetic makeup, their own unique DNA. They will influence our genes and influence the whole diet and lifestyle. Um, Diet and lifestyle will affect the chemistry in our gut microbiome as well as having an epigenetic Uh, influence on our genes. And then, of course, our genes, um, which I hope you join me in the uh, series that we're beginning to do on genetics. But there's also a three main areas that also influences our health. And it's become something that is very important in the way that I practice and the way that I teach people about how to address the things going on in their body. And that is the mind, the body, and the spirit. We are made up of those things. And the mind, the intellect is our strength, but the ego can be our downfall. And in the spirit, we talk about heart and soul. So I really want to dive into those two areas directly influencing the body, the health of our body, and how we need to think a little bit differently about how we take charge of our health. 
The first thing to consider and to ask yourself in a really honest and objective way, if you can, is how you're identifying with your illness. We can identify with our illness in both a positive and a negative manner. There's never really a good and a bad. There are different ways that our personality and the sides of our personality will serve us and different ways it will not serve us. And that is the duality of the way that all things, uh, the yin and yang, if you will. And so it's really important that when we come at a side of our personality, especially if it's intertwined in the way that we're going to approach getting better over an illness or a chronic condition, we really need to look at how we identify with that illness. And this is really important because if we believe that our illness or imbalance is serving us in a subconscious and unspoken way, that's going to block our ability to uh, overcome the bodily imbalances because the way we think and feel uh, about that condition is going to be a problem. I'll give you a couple of just really some basic examples um, that I've come across, some anecdotal uh, stories from my practice. And so, for example, say that somebody has uh, a chronic condition that has caused them to no longer be able to go to work or go to school, um, no longer pursue some of those things that they really loved. They're going to feel um, that they're missing out on those things. But if that person was overwhelmed, overworked, high stress, they may find a certain amount of relief from not having that pressure, not having that fast-paced life. And so there is a part of being kind of laid up that is um, beneficial. And if you can step back and identify the pieces and take a look and say, oh, well, you know, this has really made me realize how overworked I was or overstressed or how I had too much on my plate? And is there a way going forward that I can bring some of those things into balance? And if you can start to look at the time management of it, then it can allow that subconscious part of yourself to be more open to getting better. Because if getting better means you just plop yourself right back into this scenario that actually being that, um, overworked, overstressed, and uh, overwhelmed wasn't really an ideal scenario for you or a complete benefit, then again, that's an area that your uh, illness can help you address and be more self-aware. i uh, like to talk a little bit about what can happen to some women um, when they can go through repeated miscarriages, um, a very sensitive subject and certainly a very traumatic event, um, but it can really take 
hold that fear that this is going to happen again. Um, and there can be a subconscious block in working in uh, fertility and kind of trying to overcome that idea that this is always going to happen or s the fear is so great that, again, there's a psychological block um, to uh, working through. So again, there, there may be a need for really diving into that, working with a therapist or a counselor and really working on the fear that, um, because just working on the physical side of not having that happen again may not be enough to achieve, um, you know, that optimization of getting pregnant and carrying to term. Another area, and again, a very sensitive topic, um, is weight loss. And there are many sides to weight loss um, that have to be addressed when when I'm working with somebody. And, and a lot of that has to do with the psychology of eating, uh, behavioral patterns, and addiction may be a part of it. So there's a lot of different nuances to weight loss that have to do with our thoughts and our feelings about food. Um, but the one in particular that I want to touch upon just to plant some seeds in the event that it could help somebody, and that is if somebody is using their weight as a way of protecting themselves against something that is happening at a subconscious level or a trauma that that, that has they have experienced in their past. And if their weight is protecting them, protecting um, tr them from experiencing repeat trauma, from intimacy with somebody that they're not ready to have that kind of uh, emotional vulnerability, then that can block them to getting results with their weight, no matter what it we're doing to address it on a physical level. Um, so it's just a really important thing to just maybe start to consider and look at the different ways that we identify with these uh, physical imbalances that have this dual purpose where they might be benefiting us, but at the same time doing a disservice for us. Okay. There is another side to uh, the emotional identification in our bodies with uh, our imbalances. So I want to bring up this idea that stress, illness, chronic condition often has this targeted approach to our body. And that's that an area in our body may become more vulnerable. And that is where inflammation goes. Um, that area may be more vulnerable to where stress goes. But the body also has this unique way of connecting imbalances to certain parts of the body that have a representation uh, to our emotional side. Louise Hayes, I think, was one of the first people to really go public with this notion that every a physical imbalance has a mental and emotional side to it. Um, she wrote a book, How to Heal Your Life, um, something of, of that nature. I'll, I'll clarify the title of her book in my, my notes 
in my description on the podcast if I'm wrong in that title, but she has this really unique uh, way of talking about certain things, um, you know, such as possibly areas in our body, say there are issues with our throat or our thyroid, and that that might have a hidden emotional component that we have trouble speaking up for ourselves. So there's this really unique way of looking at the things in our in, in our body that we just can't, that again, become chronic. We just can't seem to overcome them. And looking at the possible reasons that are elusive to us on the surface that are not really going to be addressed under a diagnostic model. We go to a doctor, we get a diagnosis, uh, we get treatment. None of that is gonna look at the underlying reasons why our body has kind of fixated itself into an imbalance. Um, you know, maybe we have low back, chronic low back pain, and there's no real, um, you know, no real reason underneath the diagnosis. It's not associated with an injury. It's not associated with an autoimmune. I mean, it's possible that somebody may feel a level of instability in their, their family, in um, their relationships. You know, our back is that core, that substance, um, so I really do uh, think that it's really important to consider th that side of chronic illness um, when we're looking at a functional approach, which is how to look at all the causative reasons why our bodies went into balance or went out of balance and to bring them back into balance. Okay, next I want to talk about the mental and emotional trappings of the choices that we make that don't serve us. So a lot of, again, if we look at the possible benefit that we might be getting, one of the things that we get from uh, making uh, choices that have an addictive side to them, like, um, you know, food cravings, food addictions, is the dopamine hit. Um, I, I, I love that term. It's a really catchy term that kind of helps somebody understand that they're getting this benefit. It's not just, oh, I have these food cravings or I have a food addiction. Where, what is the benefit that is happening? Is there an intimacy need being met? Um, because that is where you feel good. Is it the dopamine? And looking at, again, having a really honest conversation, being really self-aware, because unconscious eating is just that. It's this mindlessness with which we eat these foods because they give us such pleasure in the moment that we don't want to think about the possible long-term ram ramifications of eating that way. But a lot of that food, while gratifying in the moment, pleasurable, um, it becomes looped into, you know, socialization, social activity. A lot of that has a great deal of inflammation. And really, at the end of the day, when I work with people, it is all about their level of inflammation, 
where that inflammation travels to, their toxicity, their own toxic load, um, where that, that toxic load is being stored. Like even joint pain, people think, you know, oh, this is, you know, age or this is my joints or this is my just, you know, my muscles. But it's usually there's a component about, you know, the way that we are literally like feeding inflammation into different parts of our body. So if there is that dopamine hit, the question then becomes, where do we get dopamine from a place that is more healthy, more uh, conducive to being able to address those issues with food, whether it be weight loss or removing some of that pain and inflammation? Um, because to just stop doing the thing that actually gives real pleasure in the moment, that's not sustainable. And so we want a level of sustainability when we're getting better. Otherwise, you know, something that is chronic and deep rooted and long term really just doesn't go away. You might feel a little better in the moment or you might never even touch upon it. My personal belief is that as humans, we actually all have the potential to be addicts. Um, we all need dopamine, and it is um, part of what makes us uniquely human. And the question is, where do we seek that out? Where do we get that on a regular basis? And just like all our choices, some of our choices can be healthy, and some of them can be destructive over time. So it's definitely a unique part of overcoming our chronic uh, inflammation, our chronic illnesses is looking at, you know, is the continual choice I'm making destructive to me in the long run? Because that's where I get a lot of my, my dopamine. Is that where I'm getting some of my personal gratification, some of my intimacy needs met? So more constructive ways of getting dopamine uh, again, because you can't just say, oh, I won't fulfill my personal needs as a human. It's just looking at, is there a way I can offset this and seek out a more constructive and healthy way to um, be fulfilled, to have personal fulfillment? Our relationships, our healthy relationships, both the ones that are deep and meaningful and even the ones that are um, casual and acquaintances, uh, even strangers can provide, all that can provide a different level of personal gratification and dopamine. We are social creatures. And hugs is a big way to get um, a lot of, you know, kind of feel good chemicals in our body. And so, um, you know, people do, can use anything to, again, it can be damaging or it can be uh, beneficial, depends on you know, the choices we're making in the moment and in the long term. So seeking out better ways to feel personally gratified um, that don't uh, put us into this loop where all we're doing is perpetuating the choices that actually are leading to our chronic health issues um, can be that first step, again, into getting better in a way that really has nothing to do with you know, eat this versus that. It is that discipline. It is those choices that over the long haul make our desire to pursue good health sustainable. 
And so this brings me to my final point, and that is the mental and emotional courage that it takes to really dive in and address those chronic issues, those long-term chronic uh, pain, illness, uh, long-term chronic inflammation, our own toxic load. As an educator, I'm well aware that when I work one-on-one with someone, that I'm presenting them with quality information, with strategies. I will help them work through any of these um, you know, strategies that help them kind of put one foot in front of the other. But I'm also well aware that at the end of the day, it comes down to their choices. You know, you can present information and strategies, but it's the implementation and the integration of those things into someone's lives that really is the difference between, you know, someone getting well and someone not. But when there are these blocks that we have um, that are deep rooted into our belief system about ourselves or are solving an unspoken problem in our in our emotional and, and mental lives, those can really uh, create an obstacle. So I do think it does take a lot of courage to really uh, pursue optimizing our health and wellness, to be willing to face the um, real issues, whether that be really looking at our behavioral patterns when it comes to food or looking at the reasons why we gravitate towards addictive uh, behavior when it comes to food or uh, things that we're doing that are inflammatory that we do on a regular basis or the way that we approach wellness and possibly block ourselves off to becoming fully better because the way that we are navigating our lives Um, is serving us. Maybe we get more compassion or more empathy from a loved one. And rather than addressing that, we stay in this place. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people that um, negative attention is is better than no attention, or it's their only way that they were taught to receive attention. And so if people begin to feel, if an individual begins to feel they're not worthy of just love for who they am. They may create these um, these changes, whether big or subtle, that are moving them towards that. And again, if that is going to block them from getting uh, well, then having the desire to, you know, eat more vegetables or take supplements is great and necessary. But at the end of the day, there's all these little pieces that come together. Look, my analogy that I give people is anytime there's a chronic state, it's a bonfire. And it's about really breaking it down and figuring out what are the big logs? What are the smaller logs? What are the kindling? What's the lighter fluid? You know, what are the things that we're doing that might just throw Uh, a little bit of flame or what is the things that we're doing that, you know, throw that big dousing um, and are keeping us from really layer by layer resolving these issues. Seeking wellness, optimizing total health and wellness, it's a journey. And there are a lot of components to it. Some are easier to manage than others. 
But I do wish you complete awareness and knowledge of all those pieces as you do pursue your own health and wellness. Today's episode was a discussion about the mental and emotional side of our lack of total health and wellness and what we need to start being um, more self-aware of and how we can start to have those conversations with ourselves about that mental and emotional side of our um, chronic states and where we might have to work on in addition to just the body. Again, overall total health and wellness is the mind, body, spirit. It is looking at all the different ways that this has both served and not served us and then looking at those three pillars of health to really take it apart and start to move towards total health and wellness. I am your host, Laura Kopeck. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I do hope that you'll join us again for another episode of Health Matters with Laura Kopeck.